Homestyle Green, episode number 24. G'day and welcome to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm your host, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and I am a sustainable housing expert. And you are someone who wants to help create healthy homes and better homes for people to live in and that are also beneficial for the environment. Hey, uh, there's a lot going on at the moment. Um, I've just snuck down back to the studio to pump out this episode, which I've recorded uh, last week while I was in Sydney, and I'm pretty excited to bring you interview today from Monique Alfres, and I'll tell you a bit more about Monique shortly. But before I do, a um, quick rundown of some things that are new. First of all, a really big shout out to Jay Moore, uh, Jay Moore 36. Thank you very much for a, a great customer review over on iTunes. Uh, Jay Moore wrote, I love listening to Matthew's podcast, great info. Knowing that there are others in New Zealand wanting to make a difference is inspiring. Um, Jay Moore 36, it is inspiring to me to get feedback like that. I really, really appreciate that. Makes it all worth it. So um, thank you very much for that comment. And if you do appreciate or download or listen to any part of these podcasts, it would be great um, to have your comments as well so that other people can know a bit more about um, what the show's all about and that helps build our audience and hopefully get some, some good ideas shared out there. So pretty easy to do. Just jump into iTunes and you can click on uh, the stars there. All you need is an iTunes login. If you don't have one of those, it's pretty pretty simple process to um, to sign up for an iTunes login. All right, on to other things. Um, it is the Christchurch Renovate and Rebuild show starting tomorrow, and I'm ver- well Friday actually, um, which will be tomorrow shortly. I am heading down to Christchurch again tomorrow, and I'm very excited to check that out on Friday and uh, hoping to catch up with a few people that are displaying down there and just get a sense of how things are going in Christchurch with respect to uh, building. Um, there's some exciting stuff happening up here in, in Auckland at the moment, uh, well, across the country really, with regards to solar, but particularly in Auckland right now, there's a few things to check out in the world of solar, and I'm talking solar PV here, not uh, not necessarily solar hot water. Uh, Vector, uh, the lines company in the Auckland region, and they're looking at some pretty innovative stuff at the moment, including a pilot project, which I think they're going to talk a bit more about. There, there is some information available on the Vector website, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But basically they're looking at doing a bit of a solar lease scheme. And the thing that makes their system really unique is they're incorporating some batteries into that system. I am having a look at that in detail for my own house, uh, partly because I'm very interested in how that all works and hoping to get some more information from the Vector team on, on that pilot project and would be really keen to get someone uh, along to Homestyle Green to talk about that and share that information with you because I think it's, uh, there's some really innovative stuff going on there that would be worth talking about. While we are talking about solar, came across a great resource recently uh, that I'm following on Twitter and Facebook now called My Solar Quote. And the address is mysolarquote.co.nz 
really recommend you check that site out if you are considering solar and even if you just want to get a bit of an indication of how much it might cost in your area. Very simple process to do. Just chuck your address in there, um, a few details about your roof. If you don't know, you can kind of estimate it. And in my case, no less than 12 hours later, I had a quote for um, getting PV installed on on our roof and um, the system should theoretically send a couple more quotes in my direction fairly shortly. So check that out, mysolarquote.co.nz. Another website to check out that we've come across recently is plugin.org.nz and this is a group of people who are passionate and interested in electric vehicles and not just electric vehicles themselves but the infrastructure required to make uh, plug-in electric vehicles work in an urban setting and they are advocating for getting some of that stuff in place here in New Zealand. So check that out, plugin.org.nz. I think that's quite exciting uh, space as well, particularly when you do look at solar and the wider scale of renewable generation, distributed generation, and how that works in, in a whole urban setting. Of course, the big news from last week from Auckland is the unitary plan. Uh, I did a short post uh, following heading along to the public launch of that last weekend at um, the Viaduct Event Centre. Some really great stuff. And the public consultation for that is open for the next couple of months. And there's plenty of information online. They've made all the planned documents available in electronic format on the website. And I've put some links up there on homestylegreen.com. Um, but do check it out, and it's the old story of democracy is is a is a process, not just um, not just something to uh, sit back and watch. And this is our opportunity to really shape what's in that plan and, and how it gets implemented. I think there's some really good stuff in that plan, and I think Auckland Council has done a, a pretty good job. There's quite a lot of sustainability stuff in there. There's a big focus on that because Auckland does have this concept of being or a vision of being the most livable city, um, which is quite a tall order, and I think they've done a they've they've had a pretty good crack at it. So do check that out, and I think it's worthy of supporting. Uh, it's not without its critics, particularly with some of the issues around housing and density. And look, I'd be really interested in people's comments on that as well. So if you do have some thoughts to share, uh, please do get in touch. Comments at Homestyle Green or jump onto our Facebook page. Something else new this week is rain. It has rained in Auckland for the first time for at least two months, uh, possibly slightly more of any decent size. And that, I know, is a really big issue outside the urban centres, and some farmers are really finding it tough out there. I think I get a sense that people are starting to get a bit more conscious about the the connection there with the natural environment as well because it's when things like that happen uh, when it is a long dry spell that we we kind of realize that we are still connected to the natural environment and we do rely on things like rainfall um, it certainly made a bit of a difference having a, a bit of a freshen up from from some rain and it has also made me think about maybe it's time that I do take that next step and really get serious about getting a, a rainwater tank uh, installed at home here. Uh, again, really keen to look into that and report back on it and share 
my learning in that process. So I am keen to, to go down that path at some stage shortly. This morning, I had a chat with Ben Adam-Smith. Now, I've mentioned Ben um, previously. Ben is a experienced um, production, ex, uh, what would you call him? He runs a production company. He's been in radio previously and, and is also doing some video production work, but he's really interested in building a home. Uh, he lives in the UK. He's the same age as me, and he is developing some same interests on a global scale around looking after the planet, trying to look at the way that we're living and and questioning that and saying, you know, is there a better way that we can do things? And he's using his experience as a um, as a radio presenter and now running his own production company to think about the influence he can have using those skills to create better homes. So we have had some great conversations over Skype and this morning we actually recorded two interviews. So a couple of firsts there for, for both of us. For me, uh, the first time being interviewed on somebody else's podcast, which is pretty exciting. A um, bit of an honor there. And for Ben, I think he commented that it was the, the longest distance interview that he would done. In fact, I think it's probably the longest possible distance anyone could uh, interview um, almost directly on the opposite side of the planet. Um, but some real similarities there and some of the issues that are being faced in the UK and New Zealand. So looking forward to bringing you that interview next week. Uh, that's Ben Adam Smith from houseplanninghelp.com. Um, finally, I was at the Green Property Summit 2013 today, which was a joint uh, conference of the New Zealand Green Building Council and the Property Council of New Zealand. And I, I um, went to uh, some pretty interesting le- uh, presentations from overseas, uh, one on the Living Building Challenge. That is some really exciting stuff, the Living Building Challenge. If you haven't checked that out, I will, I'll leave a, um, a link to that as well. I think Living Building Challenge is kind of the holy grail in terms of not just sustainability but uh, restorative building. And I, I'll, I'll explain more about that in a future episode because it does warrant more than just a brief comment, I think. But if, you, if you're not familiar with the Living Building Challenge, do check that out. Um, I'll put some resources up so you can find out more information about that. Um, that is it for now. I think we should crack on into the interview. Um, Monique Alfres. I will let Monique explain a bit about her story, but this is um, a little bit different from the normal story of uh, the normal direction of Homestyle Green, but I was very inspired by Monique's story. Having done engineering myself and um, realizing that Monique was working as an engineer and a consultant, and she gave all that up to go and work in some slums in India. And... This sort of story uh, I've found interesting because one of the questions I have had for Monique is why do you need to go to a slum to help people? Aren't there enough people that need help in your local environment? And I questioned Monique about that and she had some some, uh, very interesting things to say. And I also questioned Monique about some of the learning that her and her new organisation could bring to 
the types of issues that we have with our housing, you know, what can we learn from people in slums in India or very, very um, people living in poverty in places like India? What can we learn from that and the, and her experience in the issues and, and challenges that we're facing on a daily basis in a developed world? And uh, great presentation, Monique, and I just felt that I, I had to go and um, grab her and and take the opportunity to interview her. So here it is. Um, I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I enjoyed meeting Monique and discussing with her. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. It's Matthew Cutler-Welsh here from Homestyle Green, and I'm sitting here in the Sydney Convention Centre, and I've just grabbed Monique Alfres because I've just heard Monique uh, give a great presentation. I wanted to have a bit more of a chat for Homestyle Green. So Monique worked as a sustainable building consultant, which sounds inspirational in itself for a guy like me, but has left that and gone on to do even uh, better and uh, and probably smaller and better things um, and I, I, in, in countries all around the world. But I'll let uh, Monique explain um, what that is. So Monique, can you give us a bit of a, a rundown on your journey to where you are now and explain a bit about what you're doing at the moment? Uh, so I was working as a sustainable building consultant in Australia for five years, um, but I'd always wanted to go and work in the developing countries a developing world, and I was particularly interested in the ideas of energy poverty and microfinance. Um, so I actually left my job and went and worked in green building councils, much like yourself, for six months. And then after, and that was in the developing world. And then after that, made the transition. And I worked for a small not-for-profit in Australia called Good Return, and travelled across Asia working in energy poverty and microloans. And from that sort of year and a half journey got the idea and sort of the context to start what I'm working on now in India, which is Pollinate Energy. Uh, Pollinate Energy is a small social startup and we're working to provide solar lighting kits to people that are living in urban slums in the middle of Bangalore. So they live in tents and they don't have access to electricity. So we provide them with a small $30 loan and a small solar light so that they can have access to lighting and therefore have something to socialise, cook by and study by in their houses in the evenings. And it mentions in your bio that you, your mission is to eradicate energy poverty in India. That sounds like a pretty lofty goal. Is that, is that correct? Is that what your aim is? It's always good to start big. <laughs> yes, that's our goal. So we'd like to come up with, not necessarily just on our own, but we'd like to come up with a way that we could solve energy poverty and then perhaps bring in other people or other means and resources to be able to overcome the issue that they have there, tackling it from lots of different angles. Yep. So by this point, um, listeners might be wondering why I'm talking to you and what the relevance is for of, of your project, Eradicating Energy Poverty in India. Um, what is relevant about that to someone who's looking at building a house in Australia or, or New Zealand? Um, do you see any parallels with, with those issues? I mean, part of the reason I want to talk to you because I just found your, your story inspirational and I hope that others do by, by finding out more about you as well. I think it's, it's definitely great to to jump on and have a look at what you've achieved so far. But putting that aside, are there some parallels and are there some learning, do you think, that is relevant to people here in everyday life, um, looking at building, looking at the way they're living in, in houses in Australia and New Zealand? Uh, I think as we were discussing before, I think that there's a few things. One of the biggest things for me is that technology doesn't need to be complicated. So you could put in um, some very simple small solar lights in your house that aren't very expensive, that are quite durable and do work for long periods of time. They can guarantee the conditions you'd be putting them under in your Australian house is a lot better than what our Indian customers are putting them through. So 
Um, another thing that we were talking about before was um, the fact that we provide a small loan to um, our customers, which they actually pay back through their energy savings. So that could be something that people think about when they are thinking about installing renewables or some kind of green initiative in their house is um, to sort of install that within the means of what they have available to them. So perhaps save up the money or perhaps um, take out a loan, but not, you know, be aware of how much money they're going to be saving over time to be able to... Yeah, so your microloans, uh, I guess, only one step removed from, a, say, a solar lease loan that someone might be considering. And I guess the key there is making a home better within your the means that you have. Um, tell me a bit about the the impact that something as simple as a light uh, might have to a to the homes that you're involved with. Um, well, there's some obvious benefits to us, which are the, the safety element. So your house is a lot less likely to catch fire if you don't have an open flame inside it. And the other thing is that um, the emissions from kerosene have been proven to have respiratory impacts on people in the long term. But actually, the people that we're working with don't value that at all. So what they value is the fact that they have something which someone with more affluence might have in their house. That's a big thing. Um, but also the fact that you know, every time, like one of our very big communities uh, that we call Vincent Church, you walk around at night and we've sold maybe 10 lights into a community of about 100 families and you'll see all of the people like clustered into those 10 houses at night socialising because that's where the light is. So that's where, you know, rather than being around a kerosene lamp, you can actually see expressions on people's faces and, you know, body language and all of those things that you could pick up that you wouldn't normally be able to if it was just a light um, out, a small kerosene light. Um, another thing that we sort of don't think about very much is uh, domestic violence, which is an issue in some of these communities, and also um, protection from animals. So the people actually asked us to provide them with a small security light, which they then shine outside the front of their tent, and that prevents animals from getting into the, their tents during the night. Apparently, I mean, it's, it's sort of hard to believe that a light would stop that from happening, but they do value that, so... Right. So, yeah, I mean, security lighting, good workplace lighting, um, good connection with the rest of the community. These are certainly all issues that we look at when we're actually designing houses or, or looking at what makes a good house. So there's definitely some, some really good crossovers there. Another one that you mentioned, well, one of the big drivers was, um, in fact, that the, the opening of your presentation was about um, a, ma a major power outage. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that experience and how that shaped um, the the creation of, of pollinated energy? Uh, so in the middle of last year, on the 31st of July, there was a massive, actually the world's largest blackout across the north of India for a couple of days. It was massive. I mean, trains stopped, people were stuck in lifts. Uh, the world had never really seen anything like it. Um, but we were actually conducting the feasibility for pollinate energy at that time and sort of it was strange for us because all of these people in India were in the dark and the world was making such a big fuss, but the people that we were working with have been in the dark since since darkness arrived. I mean, it's sort of, yeah, I think the stats are something like 600 million went down in that power outage, but there's still another 320 or so million people that don't have access to electricity and no one ever talks about Staggering numbers, and um, from from my personal experience, being in the aftermath of the earthquake, you know, we, the the biggest issue we had was eating the ice cream before it melted in the freezer because the power had gone out for a few days. So, you know, it kind of pales into insignificance when you compare the fact that, like you say, when the power did come on, there were still so many people that it wasn't going to affect because they hadn't had power in the first place. <laughs> um, but that does bring into uh, into light another 
issue which was around resilience and the fact that resilience is obviously going to be a big issue both in the developed world and probably more so in the, in the undeveloped world. So do you feel like this is really going to impact uh, people's ability to deal with um, events like that in the future? Uh, I think distributed generation is a big answer to those sorts of problems. I mean, you probably can't solve 100% of the world's energy needs with distributed generation, but I think it's going to have to play more and more of a role. So the more that you hear about these extreme weather events and um, power supplies, I mean, it's actually a rare thing that um, you have an electricity supply to a city that's able to provide more than 70 or 80%. So the fact that in places like New Zealand and Australia, it's rare to have a power outage. In India, you have two or three hours of power outage a day, and I think that's just going to get worse. So if you have like a little solar light on the front of your house or it means that, you, you know, when your kids come home at night, they can still study even if the power's out for a couple of hours or you can have people over for dinner and cook and that, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, that's a great. Let's go back to the beginning just briefly um, before we finish. Tell us, um, you were in a, in a pretty good job as a sustainable um, building <laughs> consultant. Why the change? Um, oh, it's a difficult question, but um, I did. I have wanted to work in developing countries since I was very young, so it's something that I've sort of been dreaming about for a long time. But also, as a sustainable building consultant, I guess I didn't have um, the long-term vision that a lot of my counterparts did. It was difficult for me to see the impact of what I was doing, and I didn't feel like there was enough of a feedback loop. So you might implement some initiatives or make some recommendations, but that wouldn't go into the building for five or ten years, and then you might not see the impact of that from f for another five years. And by that time, you know, the consultant was long gone in the building project. Um, one thing I like about what I'm doing now is that, you know, you put a light into someone's house and it's immediate feedback. Oh, they like it, they don't like it, you know, it's not quite in the right place, they do like it, you know, it does serve their needs. That sort of feedback is, I guess, what I was looking for. Right. All right, just to finish off with, um, we've only touched on your story, so how can people find out more? And I, I recommend people do jump online and, and, and have a look at, at what you've been up to and some of the things you've been involved in. Where's the best place people can go and um, what do people need to do if they want to either contact you or support you? Uh, we actually have a fellowship program running in July where we're hoping to bring out 10 people from around the world to come and work with us for a month. So you can find out more about that at our, at our website, which is pollinateenergy.org. So just pollinateenergy, the words, .org. Um, and if you want to support us, there's actually a Donate Now button on our website, or you can also email me at mon.a at pollinateenergy.org. Great. Hey, well, thank you very much, Monique, uh, for taking time out of the uh, great conference today to, uh, to speak to us. Really appreciate that. And uh, good luck with uh, future endeavours. Thanks very much. Well, I hope you really enjoyed that uh, interview with Monique Alfres. If you are at all interested in their fellowship program or you just want to donate, then do head on over to their website at Pollinate Energy and I'm sure Monique and her team would really love to hear from you. Uh, that's it from me for this week. Uh, don't forget, we'd love to get your feedback comments, particularly on the iTunes store. You can rate the show there and also leave a short review. Thank you for downloading and for listening and I'll speak to you again next week on Homestyle Green.